Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. And I'm very happy to have with me our guest today, Jeff Andes, who is VP of Talent at University of Phoenix. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Brett. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. I know we have some cultural transformation, very positive cultural transformation at University of Phoenix that uh, sort of commenced several years ago. Um, and that has uh, had an effect on various processes and talent management performance um, performance management being one of those and uh, and uh, some of the more modern approaches to it. And I'm uh, lo really looking forward to delving into it with you. Uh, perhaps you could uh, share with our audience just sort of a, a brief, you know, uh, background on who you are, where you where yeah. you come from and this sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jeff Andes and I, I lead the talent team at University of Phoenix. Um, I've been with the university for about 12 years, all in HR roles. Uh, specifically over the last five years, leading the, the talent team uh, from talent management to acquisition to learning development, um, internal communication, and, and, and other programs. We've really, I've really learned a lot um, over the last 12 years in this role at University of Phoenix because we've been going through uh, a wider range of changes. We were a public company, went to a private company. Um, our stock has kind of been all over the place when we were a public company from when I started to when we went to a private company, went through that transition to a private equity uh, firm and, and changing our culture as part of that. So it's, uh, it's been a great learning experience, uh, I think for myself, for the entire HR leadership team, how we can manage change effectively and, and impact culture. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really interesting stuff. And, and uh, we should, I should share with our listeners or, or viewers, excuse me, that we've actually had a uh, previous conversation around all of this and it really is fascinating. Um, maybe you could take our, take our audience to sort of uh, the, the, the beginning uh, where, uh, where this, the story that we're talking about really began. I, I know it had, it was, had to do with the, um, uh, with the, with the university, be, um, the change in ownership and uh, a new new leadership coming in. And maybe you could uh, share that story because it's really interesting. I think it's fundamental to um, to uh, HR transformation, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. So when when I started with the university, we had about fifteen thousand employees, thirty thousand ish faculty, uh, part time faculty. And uh, that was, you know, about 12 years ago. And then for the next seven years, you know, our, our decline kind of, kind of started. And we went from, you know, 15,000 employees down to about 3,100, 3,200 employees, 30,000 faculty down to about five or 6,000 faculty. Um, and our stock price was sliding at the same time. And you know, one of the things putting myself into an employee's shoes, one of the things that the way it felt like we were talking with our employees was as if kind of things were okay. Um, it was, you know, that corporate speak, that corporate kind of spin um, that, you know, no, no big deal. Yeah, it was kind of a big deal. We were seeing a lot of our colleagues and our, and our friends uh, leave the organization. Our stock price was sliding significantly. And um, but we weren't a culture that was what we are today. We were a culture where it was, you know, kind of buttoned up um, and much more old school, much more corporate centric versus employee centric. 
And so when we when, when we ended up selling to a private equity firm uh, five years ago, they made the decision to take the, the assets underneath um, the company that we were owned by at the time, which is Apollo Education Group, and, 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 and separate them and divest them. So we became a standalone University of Phoenix organization for the first time in several decades. And it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity to kind of revisit what do we, who do we want to be? And we went through a process with new leadership coming in as part of this private equity deal, new president, um, and several other new executives to kind of step back and say, what do we value? And who do we want to be? What do we want this culture to look like three years from now? You can't change culture, obviously, in a quarter or two. But, you know, we talked like three years. What do we want that to look like? And what do we value? So we went through an exercise, uh, really including our employees, our faculty, our executives, to identify what are University of Phoenix core values. And let's start there and build our culture from that perspective. And our core values, you know, there's, there's several different ways in my research and my experience around how companies select core values. Some companies, you know, really weigh heavily on the employees and, the and in our case, also faculty to help kind of decide and identify what those values are based on what they see and feel and experience every day. And some uh, companies kind of weigh more heavily on the executives. And that kind of played uh, a role where we kind of we landed a little bit in the middle, but slightly to the leadership side. And the reason being with that is because I wanted to make sure we got the voice of our employees around what they see and feel and believe the values are of the university. But I also wanted to make sure that the executives were bought in and they believe these values. Um, because like anything, especially in change management, if it's not supported at the leadership level and it's not really believed, it's not gonna go anywhere. So we ended up establishing our core values in that way, and that really facilitated um, a number of things within our organization as it relates to culture change, including our talent management, performance management process. Mm. So that's a little bit of the backstory. The, the other side of the backstory is specifically when that new president came in as part of the transition to private equity. Him and I had a conversation uh, around a couple topics, and one of the topics we talked about was performance reviews. Mm -hmm. And you know, he basically told me, in other words, I don't want to do performance reviews at University of Phoenix. And I'm like, great, we don't want to do them either. <laughs> that is that is something we want to move away from. And as we thought about our values, which are brave, honest, and focused, um, and we thought about that vision that we set on that whiteboard around who do we want to be culturally three years from now, a static uh, performance review process that is annualized, that's done at the end of the year where managers sit down and you know, review the past 12 months, the typical thing, give a rating, you know, put a label on you. We just didn't feel like that aligned with our values of specifically around being honest and transparent um, and the culture that we wanted to, to yeah. shift. We wanted to shift to more fluid, ongoing, employee-centric culture versus kind of a static corporate culture. Mm. I like that word fluid. Um, I was thinking it at, just as you said, I said, oh, it was really interesting. I was also going to ask you, 
my next question was going to be, how do you, how do you change uh, an, a, a cult organizational culture? And, and, and then you went into a really good explanation of how you really start that process. How, because that's, that's a big question, right? You know, that you have a culture, you all, every organization has a culture, right? And there's a need to, you know, and, and, and you may have a desire or need to change it, you know, what are the steps you take in it? And um, it sounds like you sort of solicited a lot of uh, feedback from all the state, all stakeholders in the organization to really make sure that, uh, that you understood what the culture was and what it could be. And what I'm also hearing is that maybe the previous culture was, was sort of a misalignment or a sort of the right hand not speaking to the left maybe between a leadership and the rest of the organization. That's, that's what I hear sometimes when I hear corporate culture. Um, yeah. is, does that resonate? Yeah, and I, I, think, I think companies just have to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. And shift and otherwise you're, you're gonna be left behind. Um, and I think that goes for your, your company's products, but that also goes for your, your company culture. And we needed to really reflect on that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we reflected on was not just evolving, but also stepping back and looking back to where we come from. You know, Dr. John Sperling pioneered online education for the world. That was a huge risk uh, that he took. And he was a very innovative man. And we really felt like we needed to bring that innovative spirit back to our culture. And we kind of felt like we lost that a little bit. And so as we think about that, as it relates to our business model, that's one thing. But as it relates to our culture as well, we, need, we felt like we needed to be more innovative. And when I reflect back on our journey, I really believe that employees want to be able to build trust with the organization that they work for. They want to feel appreciated and, and have that respect from their leader, from their organization. And they also want autonomy. Mm -hmm. um, and that is those, those factors, I believe, those traits are continuing to grow in our society today. And as organizations, I think we have to figure out how do we, how do we adopt our policies, our processes, our culture to support employees in that way? And I think to me, out of all those things, I just said trust is just at the, the center point, I think, of all, out, of, out of all of those components that are going to lead to successful cultural change. Oh, of course. Uh, absolutely. I agree 110 um, <laughs> percent. We've had uh, other conversations um, on the podcast and over the course, you know, just doing our work here at 360 Insights. We're around culture and, and trust is, is a word that just come that is a concept that just comes up continually, repeatedly. And it makes sense. But I also heard transparency um, and um, and recognition you know, uh, being, being appreciated recognition. That's, those are also big parts of, of, um, of, of, of an organizational culture. And, and you know, what it also sounds to me, I, I, I love the, um, the, you know, tying it back to your founder and his innovation and his, you know, his sort of his vision, right. And thinking back to, to thinking about university of Phoenix, and it's, it's sort of a, a new way at the time, it was a, an entirely new way, like rethinking the, the culture of education, of higher education, right? And so you, it makes sense that you would want your internal culture, like your organizational culture to kind of reflect that 
And, uh, and what I'm also hearing is that with the, um, with the private equity um, acquisition of, of, uh, of University of Phoenix and that whole event, it, it's almost as if it gave your organizational, uh, excuse me, your organization a, um, a respite or a time, some room to just take a deep breath and, and really think about things, right? And, and I was just in an event uh, last week, um, uh, Corporate Analyst Summit, and they were talking about, um, you know, the value of, of business and remaining a private company and these, not knocking being a public company, because there's a place for that as well. But when you go private with under the right leadership, you can really start to um, think about the businesses, uh, full potential impact, positive impact on society, not to get too, too wishy-washy here, but around, you know, what is business's full potential um, positive influence for society beyond how we measure it, just sort of the quarterly, quarterly numbers. And so uh, everything you're saying really uh, fits nicely into these other conversations that we're having elsewhere. Um, and Maybe, maybe this is a good segue, actually, um, into the, the next piece of it uh, that we really want to talk about today, and that is the transformation of, your, of how you measure or, or assess the, um, those might not even be the right words to use, but the performance of, of, of your people, how that has changed. Yeah, Absolutely. So, you know, in, in the last 10 years, I would say in, in my experience is that, you know, there's been, you know, this shift um, and a lot of companies have been going away from annual performance reviews. A lot of probably of your listeners and viewers today have already gone away from them. But it feels like there's even today, it feels like there's still a wide array of mix around how people do performance management. Maybe the, the, the biggest array in terms of the mix uh maybe ever because for so long it was just the traditional kind of annual performance review and now there's so many different variations of how companies think of performance management but we felt like when we went through this process five years ago we felt like okay to be honest and live our core value honest and be transparent and to move the business forward we felt like we needed to do have communication with our employees that is built around trust that is equal between the manager and the employee and in the flow of work. Mm. And so we completely went, went away from the annual performance review and we completely went away from ratings. We do, we, we do not rate. We feel like in our opinion, at our, in our culture, a rating is a label and a label uh, kind of derails the, the conversation. You're just waiting to hear what mm. is that rating? What is that number? Or what is that score? Whatever that is. And we just don't think it adds value to the conversation. So we've kind of gone to this quarterly check-in model where uh, every quarter uh, our leaders have check-ins with their employees and our employees have check-ins with their leaders. It is a 50-50 conversation. Uh, we currently today, we use BetterWorks and, and the tool works out very well for this kind of duality of the conversation. But I'm sure there's many other software solutions that might be you know, good tools as well. We really started without the system in mind. We started yeah. with the process, the program that we wanted, the environment, the culture we wanted to create. So our program was really built system agnostic. Um, and that process really is every quarter, we create you know, three to five at most, but typically right around three question uh, template 
that goes to the manager and goes to the employee. The employee has their, their side to answer their questions and their questions are often very different from the manager questions. Uh, you know, typical performance review, I think it's these competencies, manager rates these competencies and, and, and employee rates these competencies. And it's the exact same question or competency or value, you're just getting two different perspectives. We don't do it that way. We really target questions to employees and target questions to managers. And both sides can see the responses to those questions. But really, it's less about the questions and the process. It's more about the conversation and getting employees and leaders together. And so we know that our, our leaders and our employees have one-on-one -on -one conversations, maybe weekly or bi-weekly or monthly, whatever that might be. But oftentimes, that is the day-to-day -day tactical project updates, barrier removals, those types of things. We wanted to make sure we had four times a year where you can kind of step back a little bit, reflect on how things are going, and really focus on how we can be successful moving forward together. And so we ask, in a number of our checking questions on the employee side, we ask, we typically ask them questions like, um, you know, what can I, because it's talking that's coming from the manager, what can I, as your manager, uh, do better to support you? Or how can I be more effective in helping you achieve success or greater success? Mm -hmm. um, because we really do believe that this is an opportunity for employees to give feedback back to their managers around how they can help them be successful. Mm -hmm. And then we have you know, the typical manager questions and, and, and they're just suggested questions. They're not prescribed questions. They have to fill these out every single quarter. They're just suggested topics um, where they can give a reflection on, um, you know, how things are going or give a, a viewpoint to, hey, here's where we need to go. Here's the outcomes we need to achieve as we move forward. Let's talk about how we get there. So we really tried to create a culture where there's, we're equals. Of course, yeah. a manager at the end of the day is responsible for the output of their team. That does not change. They, they can't delegate, they can delegate work down, but at the end of the day, that manager, that director, that VP is responsible. So it's not like we're all equal and whatnot. Managers get paid X for a reason. They're in a bigger job for a reason. They need to lead that team. But we are all humans and we can work together to achieve those outcomes. And we wanted to create more of that together culture. Managers and employees are successful together. Um, so that's kind of the, the basics of our, of our process. And then we, we from a from a documentation perspective, we ask our leaders at University of Phoenix to document at least one a year. Mm. We send them every quarter, but we really focus more on the conversation. We let them know best practice is to document it every quarter, because oftentimes I might think I'm saying something to my team member, mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually come out of my mouth and, and or the employee hears something different. So documenting is important but we are not building a process around documentation. We are building a process around this, having mm -hmm. a dialogue and a two-way conversation because we think that builds trust, mm -hmm. that builds effectiveness in the relationship moving forward. Yeah, you're saying so many really interesting things right now. And I, I, I wanna put it just a quick placeholder um, because you said we're, we're all humans. Right. That's a really important piece. And I think that would be a nice way to tie back to some of the other things that happened 
culturally at the organization in terms of you know tangible changes, uh, visual and, and otherwise. Um, so I want to get back to that, but but first off, a couple of things that occurred to me as as you were sharing how the process changed. Um, getting it into the getting performance um, uh, enablement, we'll call it performance enablement. I know that's what Better Works, which you use, calls it. Um, getting it into the flow of work so important, um, and also figuring out what the flow is going to be before making a decision on what technology to use. That's super important. You could go with a great technology, but if you don't have a good process. Uh, laid out or thought out, uh, you know, the benefits may be negligible. We've seen that plenty of times and, uh, you know, scores and scores of uh, deployments. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about what you said is it made me think uh, of, of almost a headline, you know, you need to get into the flow of work to get out of the flow of work. Because when you describe those discussions, you know, you talked about tactical, there's all sorts of tactical interactions between managers and their staff over the course of any given day and week. Those happen all the time, but how many reflective sort of uh, just stepping out of the flow for a moment here to just have those necessary, very beneficial uh, discussions about career and, and just sort of the deeper things of work. Those can't happen if if there isn't a if there isn't a flow and a sort of a structure that's actually there, that's the other thing that's so interesting, right? There's uh, continuous performance enablement or or you know check-ins or sort of you know um, continual interaction facilitated by technology for performance um, to to. To, to 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 track performance or keep keep uh, keep up with performance. Those, the annual perf performance man review process that is a structure, but it's a very poor structure. So we're not talking about removing structure. We're just talking about you know sort of uh, implementing a new better structure for it. I think that's where I'm going with that, and so that just strikes me as super interesting. Yeah, and we believe that leaders are need to be leaders, mm -hmm. and we need to empower our leaders just like our employees want to be empowered. We need to empower them to be leaders. So we like to provide them with tools and some structure, but I don't. We don't want to dictate to every single leader. This is exactly how your conversation needs to go, mm -hmm. um, because every employee is different. We're all humans. None of us are the exact same. We're all in different situations, different environments at different points in time. And, um, you know, one leader might need to focus more on, um, you know, performance because that's maybe maybe a challenge or they need to increase that. And another leader at that same time might need to might need to spend some time focusing on re reflecting on how can we support your development mm -hmm. or how can we in this you know last couple of years, how can I, you know, adjust different uh, parts of your responsibility abilities or your schedule or whatever it might be to accommodate your needs outside of work because um, it's no surprise everybody on this, uh, that's listening to this I'm sure every every one of them are concerned about retention um, mm. so there's no cookie cutter but we wanted to your point to have some framework that our leaders could then take and be leaders mm. and, and one of the points of feedback to kind of just dovetail on this a little bit one of the points of feedback I, I often get is well how do you guys do 
merit? Like, how do you do compensation? If you don't have ratings and you mm -hmm. don't have this formalized annual process, how do you do merit? Well, we follow the same philosophy that I just said, which is leaders, let them be leaders. We believe that if you ask a leader, who are your top performers and who are your bottom performers, they're not going to need a rating scale to tell you. Right. Most leaders know these two or three people or whatever it is, these are my top performers and you know these are my mid performers and these are my bottom performers. We believe leaders know that. Mm. Um, and if they don't, that's a different discussion. Why doesn't that leader under, you know, understand the performance of their team members, right? Mm. Um, so we, we let them be leaders. Again, we guide them. We give them some tools like we, we give them, you know, their compa ratio and where they where their where their salary is and compared to their peers and where it is within the range and all that good stuff. Give them recommendations if they're a high performer and they're at you know X or Y compa ratio. You might think about giving them, you know, this range type of thing. We give them guidance, mm. but we don't force that to be done based on a performance review rating. Mm. Um, so it's a really around empowering our leaders to be leaders. I love that. <laughs> because every there's all different permutations of good leaders you know all leaders aren't exactly the same and right some of them may potentially think in rating sort of in a rating schema right but others might not at all and they all and yet they all if they're good leaders you're right they they know who their best performers are and and why who their middling performers are and why who their you know their struggling performers are and why that's that's such a great point um I'm loving the culture that I'm hearing about, about University of Phoenix. I really am. Um, I know that there were some changes, some changes to decor or even furniture moving and this kind of stuff that happened. And I want to touch on that um, and then maybe uh, get a little bit into uh, what it's like, um, uh, what it's been like collaborating with BetterWorks. Yeah, absolutely. So, Culture is, as you kind of hit on earlier, it's um, it's made up of a million little things, right? Uh, and maybe some big things too. But it's a it's a it's everything. It's a million little things, and it takes time to to shift a culture one way or, or the other. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, but it's purposeful. I, I think oftentimes, uh, especially good cultures, is it's very purposeful around creating a, a strong culture or a desired future state culture. And, you know, I give all the credit in the world to uh, our executives um, and specifically our president that came in at the time and um, being very purposeful around shifting that to little things like you talked about decor. Um, you know, our organization five years ago when we went through this transition, you know, like I said, a very corporate, very kind of old school. You know, you come through the front, there's security, you go through turnstiles, you go up elevators, every floor you got to badge into to be able to get access to the floor. You go up to the executive floor, which is the 10th floor in our building, and there's another security guard and you walk up there and you, and you kind of feel like, you know, you're in this environment that like the FBI or CIA up there, like asking you, like, why are you here? Who are you? <laughs> Where'd you get the approval type of environment? Um and our new president is like, no, all that's got to go. Like, again, we want to be honest and transparent. We want a culture of, you know, we're all in this together and we're all humans. And uh, yes, we have different job titles and responsibilities, but we're all equal at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, re removed outside of the basic security of, you know, going through the turnstiles and security out front, removed all the badging on the, all the floors, 
mm. uh, removed all the security from the from the top floor and the extra walls that were up there that was kind of protecting the the tenth floor executives. Mm. Uh, tore big, huge, massive windows into the the executive or the president's uh, 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 office, and so there's complete open transparency. We had blinds on all of the leaders' offices offices that you could you know, turn and twist and, you know, close off uh, visible access to it, remove all of all of those. Um, you know, we had an elevator that went from the ground floor to the 10th floor that was largely for the executives and the president to take a quick trip up to the 10th floor, but it also removed them from, you know, the normal people, their employees, <laughs> yeah. all the work, removed them from that. Um, we just changed all that, got rid of that, got rid of the blinds, opened, opened things up. Um, our executives are started with our president started eating in. We had this really beautiful uh, cafe um, on our campus and started eating there with with folks and talking with our folks. Mm. Um, opened up our leadership call to all employees um, every uh, every other month. Um, uh, half of that time of the leadership call now is open to Q and A. Uh, we used to get maybe one or two questions. Now we have to follow up with like 50 or 60 people after the call <laughs> to all the questions. Um, and people ask, you know, crazy questions about, you know, um, you know, about the facilities, like there's a toilet not working on the seventh floor of building, whatever. Mm -hmm. Are we fixed? We'll answer that. We might not know the answer, but we'll take any question strategic down to very tactical because we want to know what's important to our employees mm -hmm. and uh our president really led that by leading uh with his actions and all those decisions that he made and and so many so many more but those are give you a little bit of a flavor that i think mm -hmm. align with the cultural change that we wanted to create and that's i i love the um the old the old elevators so the quick elevator just goes to the 10th floor that's <laughs> um yeah uh those are great changes and you know it gets me to thinking about um just very briefly here thinking about you know what is it chicken and egg thing right you know which comes first or is it or is does anything come first you know you talked about culture is a, a million you know just a million different things or i think that's the, the term you used and and you're right and and yet at the same time you can do all the the uh you know all the the heavy lifting uh conceptually to to shift the culture in the right direction and but then you need the right tools in place to make sure that you can keep perpetuate uh the the positivity that you've that you've started um maybe that's a good segue uh you know in terms of you know not getting into the nuts and bolts of the functionality because i think everybody watching this sort of can envision it but what's it like working with better works uh you know their vision and how has it helped to sort of perpetuate the um, the changes in the in this moving uh, positive culture. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, you know, as 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 I've talked about honest and transparency being really core to our transformation. Um, you know, I look for vendors that I can partner with that are going to be the same way with me, and so that's kind of been the biggest thing with BetterWorks is. You know, I've been able to establish a, a strong relationship with some of their senior leaders where I'll want things and I'll ask for things to evolve or be fixed or whatnot. And 
they'll oftentimes tell me, yeah, we're going to work on that. And oftentimes tell me, no, we can't do that. Or that's not in scope uh, of our focus right now. And that transparency is an honesty both ways. I'll tell them what they're doing great at. And I'll also tell them what, hey, I think you're falling short on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll give that back to me uh, equally around. They're not going to just tell me, yeah, Jeff, we'll work on that because I'm a customer and make me happy. And it never comes true. Um, they'll tell me if they can, and they'll tell me if they can't. So I really, really appreciate that transparency because I look with that in vendors. I think any vendor that comes alongside you has to be a partner. And I don't look at them as vendors, any vendor that mm-hmm. I work with, any other vendor that I, that I work with. I think that's a really important uh, uh, trait for me because that aligns with our culture. Right. Yeah. And you need vendors and partners that align, I believe, with your culture that are going to help accelerate that transformation. So as we talk about the, the tool in of itself, um, you know, the, the, the tool aligns with our culture. It mm-hmm. is a tool that is, um, you know, very much has the ability to work in the flow of work when leaders need to use it, how they need to, how they need to use it. So when we think about, you know, the ability to get feedback at any point in time, our employees can, can give feedback to team members, to project team members, to their leader, um, any point in time that they want to. They come out of a meeting, they want to give some feedback. Hey, here's some great things you did. Or, hey, maybe think about this next time as you approach this type of situation. They can do that. Now, look, I do not encourage that as the only way to give feedback. Right. Um, I, think it, I think a system is one way. Um, yeah. Perfect. Personally, I'm more of a pick up the phone kind of guy because I'm a relational guy and I'd rather call that person um, and then maybe follow up with, you know, a, a documented kudos or, or documented, hey, maybe think about approaching it this way next time. Um, but the point around the Better Works solution is it has the ability to be in the moment, in the flow of work, whether you talk about recognition or appreciation or, um, you know, feedback, positive or constructive as you think about checking conversations, as you think about one-on-one conversations and documenting those when you want to in the flow of work, that is what has really worked out for us. Also, from a goal-setting perspective, mm. um, we are not an OKR shop and BetterWorks is, is, has a huge OKR component, but the tool is so flexible that it works for goals. And in fact, some of our teams use OKRs at University of Phoenix, and some of them use kind of traditional goals at University of Phoenix, and mm-hmm. it works for both. So again, in the flow of work, because we don't prescribe a lot of process, we give frameworks um, to our leaders and allow them to be leaders. So one part of the business can do OKRs, and the other part of the business can do goals um, in a different way, and it works for our company. So it has the tools and framework for our leaders and our employees to operate it to manage their performance um, in the way that that function manages their performance. And it looks a little bit different from department to department at University of Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm here, it's not, yeah, it sounds like their culture is uh, very reflective of the, uh, of the solution they provide, you know, open, uh, continual interaction, which is, you know, it's really the only way to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, really interesting stuff. I, I'm looking at the time and I think we've gone a little bit long, which is fine. Uh, but um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, any, any sort of uh, parting thoughts or anything um, that you'd like to share? 
Yeah, look, I, I think I saw a stat the other day that said, you know, 30, I think it was 31% of employees when they're asked like what they wish their managers would do more. The, the biggest chunk of that, there was, I don't know, 10 different options. It was 31%. I think the second one in line was like 17% or something like that. But 31% of employees said they wish their managers would show more appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that is something that we at University of Phoenix can continue to do better better. And as organizations, we can all continue to do better. But I think appreciation, you know, starts with where I started. And I'll kind of end with that, which is leaders' ability to build trust. Companies can institute and build all kinds of processes, frameworks, systems, tools. But at the end of the day, we're still humans and humans working with humans, it's all different. And it it's really falls on that leader to build that trust. The processes can be there to support it, but how does that leader build that trust? And I think part of how that leader builds that trust is investing in their employees, having conversations, ongoing conversations. It doesn't always have to be about performance or work or whatnot, but truly caring about their employees. And I think through that, uh, appreciation can continue to grow and build in those relationships because that leader is shown as trustworthy that they care about that employee and they want to invest in that employee. And so as as companies and organizations, how do we continue to guide leaders and set up structures and frameworks that can encourage those connection moments? Um, Whether it's, you know, and and it gets to performance and helping, you know, enable performance and whatnot. But I think it starts with just being a good human and caring about your team members. Because at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything more taxing than having a team member that doesn't want to be on your team or is low performing. So how do we invest in those relationships at the very beginning? And I don't think there's a silver bullet, but I think we all can continue to get better at that and, and work at that. And I know that's something that we're going to be doing here at University of Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Beautifully put. We are humans working with humans. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff for joining us. This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a good one, Brad. You too.